join the Arts Master and make things together. Welcome to our brand new podcast, where we'll be introducing some incredible tutors in a wide variety of arts and crafts. I'm your host, Sam Tanous, and I'm the organiser of Arts Master. I'm also an artist and a tutor in fibre art techniques, so I'm doubly excited to be recording these interviews. All our guests on this podcast will be part of the new Arts Master School of Arts and Crafts that opens in October this year. We're hosting our first long weekend of workshops, as well as a maker's market in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. Our workshops offer in-depth tuition over a whole day or two or three days, depending on your choice. Most classes offer a comprehensive kit of materials and you will take home some amazing handmade items. Enrolments for all of our workshops are now open online at artsmuster.com.au. Today we meet Tamara Russell, a textile artist who makes gorgeous landscape embroideries and sculptures out of stitch. Tamara is also a proponent of the sustainable fashion movement. You can join in Tamara's workshops in visible mending and garment alteration at Arts Muster this October. As someone who's always been a keen op shopper and also a dressmaker since a teenager, I wish I could do both of Tamara's workshops. They sound really exciting. Hi Tamara, welcome to Arts Muster. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on board as a tutor at our first ever event. Um, tell me a little bit about why sustainable fashion is such a big area of interest for you. Um, basically, it's been something that I've followed from the beginning of the actual movement, but before that, you know, I had grown up making my own clothes. I had a mother who taught me to mend everything and anything. Um, and have continued that through my whole life. So I've always sewn, mended, embroidered, changed things, um, and not just in my clothing, in my house too. I mean, pretty much 90% of our furniture comes out of the tip, and I resurrect it and restore it to life, and then we use it. Things have a lot more character that way, I think, don't they? Oh, definitely. And, you know, as a textile artist, it's been great because then I can – you know, when I recover chairs, I make the fabric myself by embroidery and so it's no one else has it basically. So apart from the environmental benefits of, um, I mean, the, we've seen TV shows about the, the tonnes of textiles that are sent to landfill every year, which is just yeah. absolutely criminal. I don't think I've thrown anything out since about 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's that upcycling and recycling of textiles is coming back into fashion um, for the unique aspects of it as well, I think, isn't it? And I think it's also for the quality. I mean, you know, I think people are actually getting to a stage where going and spending, you know, $5 for a T-shirt that you wash once and falls apart, they've had enough of it because it's not just the $5 you're paying for that T-shirt, but it's your time and effort to go and buy it. So, the cost isn't really look, you know, people aren't, well, haven't been looking at the whole cost of what it is for that $5 t-shirt and the fact that it's a total waste of money, you know, to wear something once and then have to use it as a dust cloth or throw it in the bin is quite ridiculous. Um, and I think people are starting to realise that, you know, a lot of the vintage clothing and 
recycling things that I have actually lasted, they're getting just much better value for money. So they're willing to go shopping for better quality and have less, but then also mend it. And, you know, if you've paid two, $300 for a jacket, you want it to last quite a while. So you're actually willing to mend that tear in the seam or whatever happens to it. Yes, I've Um, had new linings put in to several favourite jackets over the years. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. You know, people are actually realising that you don't have to follow these ridiculous, you know, um, all the the shops like Zara and Cotton On and things. They're changing their fashion styles every week. Uh, So, you know, young people had this thing that you had to have a new item every week because otherwise you'd be out of style. And people are realising actually they're being taken for a ride. So... And it's good because it's a lot of younger people coming on board. Um, You know, more people sort of my age did have basic skills, but we're we're the sort of generation and who lost it. Um, Our mothers tended to have to fix or change, um, swap, do whatever to keep things because there just wasn't the fabrics around in the fashion. Mm. Whereas our generation, which I'm in my 50s now, um, we kind of lost that because we were the first generation that started to have really affordable clothes that you could easily buy. And yeah. by the time we had children, it was all throwaway stuff. Um, you know, I watched my kids going through their teen years where often they'd go to um, Supre or somewhere and then be devastated because by the third wash, the T-shirt had holes in it and it was total rubbish, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I'm not that much younger than you, and I think I think back to when I was first learning to to sew. Um, we used to make, um, you know, new Bermuda shorts every summer, um, oh. and fabrics were a lot more accessible then. They were a lot more affordable, yeah. and there were a lot more haberdashery stores in you know department stores used to have haberdashery sections and whatever. So that's, yeah, yeah, true. It is now becoming much better and easier to. A, by um, individual designer patterns, so you're not just stuck with the style and Vogue, you know, basic Vogue and all this sort of those, you know, butterics and things patterns. You've got in, some amazing designers doing really good patterns that are easy to follow and you actually can buy nice fabrics again. I think wonderful. Pinterest has done quite a lot for... Oh, yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. especially for things that are under the sustainable fashion banner, like visible mending, for example, uh, which is one of the courses that you're offering at Arts Muster this coming October. That's tell me, right. Tell me a bit about visible mending. So visible mending is the wonderful thing of adding your personality to your clothing. Um, so sashiko mending is quite the rage at the moment for a lot of people on your jeans and things like that. But what I do is take it that step further so you can repair anything. And, you know, there are, even if you have that favorite supre cotton on thin t-shirt, it is actually repairable, but generally you have to add something to it. And that's where visible mending comes into its own because you can add some embroidery, you can add some more fabric. Um, and make it your personality so you actually are showing people, without a word, your vibrancy. And you don't great. actually need many sophisticated skills to be able to do that, do you? I mean, so no. stitching is really just a running stitch, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a running stitch and you can follow all the very intricate patterns or you can just keep it really simple and it's just basically straight lines up and down and across. 
And you um, can also layer your different patches, can't you? Yes, So you can have definitely. some with raw edges and some that are underneath. Yeah, so you can go into more the borrow style, which is literally you patch on top of patch on top of patch. Um, and the whatever the item originally was eventually ends up as a whole new thing because, you know, you've just patched it over time. Um, it also makes it a lot warmer and more comfortable because you use all the lovely soft fabrics and stitching. Um, the wonderful thing about visible mending is also you just don't need a lot of materials. You can go to your local charity shop. They often have throw-out pieces. You can you know, cut up something that's passed or repair and use the fabric from that to repair something else. You just need basic cottons and needles and a pair of scissors. You know, it's... It's not that it has to be expensive to mend anything and it is a really simple skill. So what kind of clothes should people bring to to your workshop for visible mending? Absolutely anything they want repaired. So um, I had a workshop at the weekend where we had I had a lady working on a boiled wool jumper, a lady working on a linen shirt, another lady working on a T-shirt. And you know, so we go through... Anything is repairable. You've just got to decide how you want to repair it, whether it's invisibly or visibly, whether you, you know, want to make it to, into a total statement or you want just a subtle piece of personality. It's, it's a wonderful thing because it's just so versatile and that is the great thing about it. Um, you know, I bring a stash of materials along so people can go through that. But then, you know, the lovely thing is that, You'll have a lot of people who will have something that's been in the rag bag and they'll suddenly realise, oh, actually, the material on it's all right. It's the item that's not any good. You know, most things that wear under the arms or on your elbows or something will still have good material in other places that you can cut down and use to mend other things. Now, you've just said something that I haven't heard for quite a long time and that's rag bag. And <laughs> I just wonder how many younger people actually keep a rag bag um, or whether they um, are doing too much Marie Kondo and throwing things out before they can think about. Um... Yeah, and that's a scary, I mean, like, you know, Marie Kondo, bless her, um, it's a scary thing that the whole thing is just to get rid of things all the time rather than looking at how you can reuse. Um, you know, the charity shops are now overwhelmed with people Marie condoing their home that they're, they're actually a lot of that stuff is going to landfill because the charity shops can't process it. Um, what it would be really nice is if people realised, you know, having a basket somewhere or a bag in the back of the wardrobe where you put items that you can then use as dusters or, you know, cleaning cloths or to mend other items. It's you don't have to get rid of everything. <laughs> I think we should start a campaign, Tamara. Bring back yeah. the rag bag. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah, I have a rag movement. basket <laughs> and it goes up and down with life. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, charity shops will look at when people donate their big bag of clothes and they can't actually do anything with them. You know, they're in such bad repair and they don't have the time or the people power to actually take out the good cloth out of things that are, you know, basically rags. Whereas, so in actual fact, when you're recycling your clothes, you need to be a bit more thoughtful about it as well. Oh, very much so, yeah. It's, it's basically, you know, if you're throwing something out to the charity shop, you have to be able to say, would I wear this? Would, is someone able to wear it? Because if they're not able to wear it, there's nothing the charity shops can do but bail it, which means it goes to a third world country 
for the better stuff or it just goes to landfill because it's the cheapest two options they have. They don't have the time to sit down and sort through to cut out fabrics, to take off buttons, all the things that once happened in op shops because they didn't get so much stuff. People had time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so perhaps the fast fashion movement has made us all a bit lazy. We- oh, terribly much so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, most items don't have nice buttons on them anymore, so you throw out the whole item, whereas once upon a time, you know, you'd take your buttons off because buttons are still expensive, but, you know, if they're the cheap rubbish that you can't reuse, people just throw them out. Um, so it really is down to looking at what you're doing with items of textile. And it can be also, you know, things like tablecloths and napkins, which a lot of people don't use anymore, but they might have inherited. A lot of those are fantastic fabric for reusing into other things like patches. Mm. And they have nice bits of embroidery on them that you can cut around and all that sort of thing. So, you know... There's so really grandma's nice... linens with the nice yeah. embroideries on them could become the, the, a new patch on... Yeah, yeah, on something else because, you know, it might have a nice pansy, say, embroidery on it. Well, you can cut around that, use it as a patch. And they're generally really nice old linens, <laughs> which has yeah. been washed and softened, so they're perfect. Yeah, really good quality fabrics. So yeah. the, other, the other workshop that you're uh, taking for us at Arts Muster is about... Um, altering garments altogether. Tell me a yeah. bit more about that. So, uh, again, you know, with throwing things out, what have people, well, an example where I started getting into reconstructing clothing was I had um, two of my father's old jumpers, both of which had worn arms, had issues with certain parts of them. Um, so, by throwing them in the washing machine, felting them around a bit, and then cutting them up. I was able to make myself a really, really nice warm jacket. Um, and so I moved on from there. You know, it's basically pretty much anything you can find good bits of. So, you know, you might have a cardigan and a linen jacket. Well, those two things you'd, you'd sit there and think, well, they won't go together. But they do brilliantly because you can actually cut them both up to make panels in one or the other, whichever way you want to go, whether you want to keep more a jacket look or whether you want to keep more a cardigan look. Uh, you can add embellishments to things like buttons, shells, embroidery, all sorts of things. What so if you've outgrown a, a favourite item? Yeah, of outgrowing <laughs> is one of the main reasons. So, you know, putting in new panels um, or that, you know, with things of that on your arms, often shirts, things like that, you'll wear out your elbows. So you can actually put in new panels. Um, you can turn, you know, two jackets into a skirt. There's so many different ways you can play because the material is still good. It's just that the, the size isn't there, the style's gone out, you don't like the style anymore. You know, it's something you wore when you were 18 and now you're 40 and you really don't do that. Um, or it can times, be just restru- yeah. restructuring to make, you know, one great jumper out of two, things like that. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, fashions from, say, the 40s or 50s were made for different body shapes as well. So Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, each generation we change body shape. You know, my children were never the same body shape as I was. I was never the same body shape as my mother. And it, a lot of that comes down to, you know, diet and the way we change our lifestyles. Um, 
So we want to preserve those retro uh, or vintage clothes. Yeah, and and often remaking them is one of the ways that you can do it. You know, the your mother's you know like beautiful nineteen forties with a very very tiny waist and you know where they used to wear their pointy cut bras. That shape very few people would fit into now, no matter you know what. So you can restructure it and maybe, you know, use that fantastic fabric to make something totally new or you can actually remake the dress to make it so that it fits your shape better by adding in other fabrics, which don't necessarily have to even match perfectly. It could be that you have a very strong pattern and you add another pattern that coordinates but isn't, you know, a perfect match or you can add plain. You know, there's so many things you can do to play around with clothes to make them work. So that's interesting because you, you, I mean, you said before a linen jacket and a cardigan. So one of those is a, is a knit object and the other one's a woven fabric. Yeah. And, yeah. and quite different weights, I would imagine, and, very, and different styles. So, so you oh, yeah. can be creative. In- oh, yeah. You know, you can totally change things. And, again, it comes down to personal style. And the wonderful thing about it is that, you know, if I gave – five people the exact same two items we would end up with five totally different outfits because everyone looks at things differently everyone wears their clothes differently so and that's the fun thing about the reconstruction is that you know getting say five people in a room same two items everyone will discuss them everyone will give each other different ideas for their what they can do once they start and it becomes this wonderful conversation about you know adding longevity to your clothing, adding your individual style and the tech, learning new techniques. Because the lovely thing is that people who have never ever sewn before to people who are, you know, sewing all their lives will all look at things in a different way. So it's well, a fantastic discussion. Well, that going to be question actually, which is how much skill uh, or what sort of skills or how much of a skill level do people need to come and do a class like this? Absolutely none. So basically we go through the basics of a machine if someone's never touched a machine before, but we're generally just using a straight stitch and the overlocking stitch on a, um, a sewing machine, which are two simple things that people can take away knowing how to do and therefore fix so many things. You don't need to buy an overlocker. I mean, I, I bring overlockers to the class, but, you know, it's, you don't need to have one at home. You don't need to use an overlocker to finish an edge. Um, and, you know, learning to thread a needle is pretty easy. It's just eyesight that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> they make little machines for those these days. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true, yes. <laughs> um, so when if someone's going to come to your garment reconstruction class, what kind of garments do you want them to bring? Things that they're not worried about cutting up, things that give inspire them, so it's basically, you know, having at least one piece that's giving them inspiration of where they might want to go. Um, I have a couple of boxes of things that I bring along with me because there's always something extra that someone needs or, you know, they will look at two, six, but, you know, say they bring three items along and they might decide that they want to end up with two items and not quite have enough material to do what they want to do. So we add in from there. 
Um, and what are, what other things might people have in their stash, say buttons or whatever that they could bring? Oh, up? yeah, anything like that, buttons, any fancy threads they might have that they'd like to add in. Um, you know, shells are often great. We can use shells um, with a little Dremel. We can put holes in them or we can just sew them on by actually catching them with embroideries. Uh, so, yeah, buttons, buckles, threads, anything that – any material they might have lying around, you know, just flat material they haven't known what to do with, that could be something great that they can add in. So, yeah, just anything they feel that they want to bring that inspires them and they don't necessarily have to be able to look at their items and think, oh, that all goes together. It doesn't matter if it doesn't go together because we can create more than one thing. Or we might not use something and you might add something. Or what happens often in class, it's a people swap people trade yeah yeah so you might have a white shirt and someone has a pink shirt that they've decided they're not going to use and you might have the green whatever scarf that they can use so yeah people do tend to swap too that's (laughs) the one thing I love about workshops yeah yeah it's that camaraderie Oh, yeah, yeah. And everyone's working together, and particularly over the two days, everyone gets because when you're sitting around a table talking a lot, because, you know, the cutting up, well, the ideas, the cutting up, the sewing together, a lot of that's done with hand stitch anyway. So you're sitting around chatting. Um, and then, you know, the machines tend to be used for mainly for seams and the basis, because a lot of it is about the embellishment and making it really individual. Yeah. You make other things with old garments too. I've seen that you have a jewellery range. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a friend in England who makes um, ball gowns and things. So she had all these bits of organza that she used to just throw away. So I took bags of that and now I collect it from around Melbourne. Um, And I use clothing. I use different makers' offcuts and make an, a jewellery range out of that. Um, I use upholstery samples, you know, the ones you see in all the furnishing shops. Well, they get thrown away at the end of the time. Um, yes, at the end of the season, the yeah, whole book so, of samples, yeah. I mean, the lovely thing is reverse garbage is in now in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane and more and more companies are knowing to dump them there, which is great because then they can sell them. Um, and I make bags out of those and other things that are hardy because they're really good solid fabrics. Um, so, yeah, so it's all about not buying new materials. It's what, what have I got that I can use to create something different. Um, and I have a huge stash of old linens uh, from grandmothers and great aunties and goodness knows who because no one else wanted it, which I've, I'm just starting to make bags and things out of to make kits. So, it's yeah everything can be reused and as well as your fashion uh side of your work and uh and the the jewelry and bags and what have you you're also an artist working in stitch yeah I use machine embroidery and hand embroidery to create wall art um so a lot of it's based on photographs um, and some of it is quite photographic that the photograph is printed onto cloth and then partially embroidered, um, others it's fully embroidered and others are, you know, literally my interpretation. Um, so mainly I do landscapes. Um, I've, well, last year I went through a phase of doing a series on the universe, so, but they're all hand-stitched, um, just different nebulas because the colours are fantastic and the NASA 
website is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I create wall art and do that as well, which is sort of my my love. <laughs> and you said mainly your inspiration comes from landscapes. Um, yeah. do, you, do you go out in the field to find, um, take your own photographs? or? Where- yeah, yeah, I only use my own pho- – well, I, I – We'll say that I, I use my own photographs for all my work except for my universe stuff, which we're all NASA photographs because obviously I don't have a camera that good. Um, That's but they, specialized gear, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they allow you to use their photographs, which is lovely. They're open commons. Um, so yeah, so like recently I went into Central Australia, so I have a load of photographs to interpret. I think I've taken so many photographs, it'll take me the rest of my lifetime. So, um, you know, I'll go down the beach and take seascapes. Um, I don't, I haven't tended to do cityscapes at the moment, but that might change. Um, Yeah, so it's what I see that inspires me, the colours, you know, going into the woods in spring where you get all the purples, the greys, the browns. It's all that, you know, interpretation of colour. And basically, I'm just using my needle as my paintbrush instead of using paints, you know, watercolors or oils or something in a paintbrush. I use threads and a sewing machine. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm sure that the students at Arts Muster who take your classes uh, this October will be absolutely thrilled with the inspiration that you can give them coming from uh, your art practice as well, because I'm sure that a lot of the stitching that they can do on their clothes. Um, can take some inspiration from nature and landscape as well. Oh, definitely. And, you know, the lovely thing is that we can, we can play for two days. You just get to look at things in a different way and have a wonderful play and go home with the skills to be able to keep going. And we'll um, be up in the Blue Mountains, which is a absolutely uh, spectacular. gorgeous landscape. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so um, they can take photos on their way up. <laughs> Yep, and it'll be spring, so hopefully there'll be lots Yeah, lots of, of colour around. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tamara. It's been insightful talking about sustainable fashion and getting an idea about what students might be able to bring and experience in your workshops this October. Thank you very much. Oh, it's been great. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for spending time with us today. To find out about our range of arts and crafts workshops being offered at Arts Mustard 2019, please visit our website at artsmuster.com.au. This year's classes will be held on October 5, 6 and 7 from 9.30am until 4pm. This year we're offering ceramics, screen printing, bookbinding, felting, art quilts, plant dyeing, hand embroidery, whittling, sustainable fashion and small 3D collage. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe now. We look forward to seeing you at Arts Muster.